relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think? I'm about to show you. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me your movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, where we review horror movies exclusively directed by women, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me today is my other half, who is zooming in and out on uh, our call. Whoop, she zoomed out again. (laughs) Sorry. I wish. This was an uh, oh, she's in again. I wish you could see this. I wish this was a video, like a visual medium, so that you could get the like strobing effect of Ariel zooming in and out. We don't know why. I assume it has something to do with Pizza Ghost. I think Pizza Ghost is in control of your computer. And oh God, is, uh, causing a ruckus. How are you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. You hanging in there? Women in Hormone almost over. This is the last. I know this is our final episode of the month. It's crazy. Yeah. It's gone by so fast. It really has flown by. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love when it ends because, like, I get to be like, really? In Women in Horror Month? Anytime anyone does anything to, like, bother me, especially a man in <laughs> Really? I'm really? During Women in Horror I've Month? Not been, I've not been using that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I've been, like, slipping. All right. got to so step up our game. You just heard the dulcet tones of a very, very special voice because, yes, we have a guest. We saved the best for last. <laughs> that back on the show, fan favorite, personal favorite, the one and only Caitlin Grant, host of Plug It Up. Hey, girl, welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I we're down three monkey paw fingers. I think we got one more. <laughs> we have to pay up. <laughs> How has yeah. your Women in Horror Month been? What have you been doing to celebrate the the most holy of months? I've been watching a ton of stuff. I've been guesting a lot, recording a lot for my own show, and just consuming a lot of horror. And I keep having ideas for horror, like screenplays or like short stories I want to write that I put in my phone notes and then I like never touch again but it's it's something at least (laughs) yeah oh that's so cool oh I'm so ready for you to enter your screen era er writer era like I think you would be so good at it I worry Mm -hmm. that I would be real bad at it (laughs) (laughs) oh no oh no I think you would be really good I think you would have an interesting take like I think you no one is more poised to write the best monstrous motherhood film than you. Uh, the monstrous <laughs> feminine. It would be amazing. I would support it. Where's the where's the GoFundMe? How do we how do we make this happen? Look, after all the I don't know, we'll, off air we'll talk about all the drama in the GoFundMe horror world, but I have a little turned off of oh them. i think i know oh, what you're talking scary. about oh i do know what you're talking about <laughs> or, sorry, maybe that was kickstarter i don't know but was it something that you would you know 
like kind of a mental situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, got it. <laughs> I mean, I understand that that was really, off. really good code, and nobody's gonna get it. So, <laughs> top secret. Top secret. <laughs> so, what have you been up to? What is the latest in Plug It Up world? Give us, give us the the lowdown. Yeah, I feel like I've been recording in batches and then editing in batches. So I'm I'm at the point right now where I have a bunch to edit. <laughs> oh God, uh, which is good. Which is good. I. Uh, I recorded the fellas from Straight Chilling. Rachel, you got to join them for Infinity Pool. Love them. One of my now one of my favorite episodes ever of Straight Chilling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they were on to cover the Stepford Wives. So I had treated myself to a first edition copy of the book. So and I watched the 1975 version of the movie, but we covered the 2004 version of the movie. But I feel like I got to immerse myself in the Nicole Kidman one. Right? Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Oh a God, very Matthew two thousand. I did not that? remember him being in it. Yeah. Yeah. He the husband? He Is was. He husband? Oh, that's actually kind of good casting, considering what a weasel that character is. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it- it's quite the ensemble cast. Bette Midler. I forgot she was in it. So. Bette Midler's in it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was a fun one. Yeah. And then I've been uh, doing these sort of like countdown episodes uh, mm-hmm. that I've been, we did uh, remakes and horror that came out at the time of this recording this week. Yeah. Um, but now I just keep making lists of like best dance scenes in horror, best intros yeah. in horror, oh, best whatever. So, so those are a lot of fun. But. Oh, that's awesome. I think you need like best castrations in horror. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was on the line. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there was one you because you always drop hints about what the episode is, and I always feel like very superior because I'm like, of course I know what movie that is. <laughs> but the latest one you did, I was like, I don't know what that is. What is the commonality? What is the thread? Oh. And so I had a little bit of an existential crisis about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. And yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, looking at more bridal horror. So next week, uh, the episode is on Rec 3, which is one of my favorite Ooh, yes. zombie oh, that'll be movies in general. But a, a cool bridal horror moment with the, the chainsaw and everything. So. Right. I, have confess, I have not seen the third one. I've seen the first two, but I haven't seen three and four. Sounds like I need to correct that shit. Three might be one of my faves just because it's what better place than an, a wedding for a zombie yeah. outbreak, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's on Tubi. Okay. For free. So <laughs> much like the movie we'll be talking about today. Gotta love that Tubi. <laughs> sponsor the yeah. pod. Sponsor the whole thing. Sponsor I mean, deadly. Honestly, anybody sponsor the pod. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, anybody at all. We'll take it. Yeah. Do you have monies? We would like we like yeah. monies. Yeah. We, <laughs> we are willing to sell the fuck out. <laughs> Whenever someone's like, oh my God, are you making any money yet off of like podcasting? I'm like, hey, first of all, you don't have to monetize everything. True. And B, I wish I was, but no, I actually like, lose money all the time by renting things, paying for accounts. Uh-huh. It's like, no, 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 uh-huh. no, no, no. Yep. I, for whatever reason, like, older generations assume that this is like a sure thing, like a money-making yeah. racket here in the podcast world, but tis not. Yeah. I mean, what, how are we going to, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you can't, you got to do this because you love it. Like, oh, unless yeah, you're yeah. like a, a, like already a celeb or you have yeah. some sort of network in like you if it happens cool but you have right. to just do it because you yeah, love it you can't it. go in thinking that it's gonna happen <laughs> no yeah. thankfully <laughs> i have a big mouth and a lot of opinions yeah. <laughs> that, never stop talking. that is the resource that i never run out of <laughs> so you're 
far so good. Yeah. <laughs> we started doing a Twilight podcast with our friend Charlie. Um, that, so the backstory, and I we will get to the movie, I'm so sorry, but Charlie and I went on a trip to visit our friend Matt, and we took some edibles, and we were a little high, and I was like, you guys, let's watch the Twilight baseball scene. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this! Right. So, yeah, I think yeah. we got stone texts from you after this. Yes, we did. I was so excited to show it everyone the lit. baseball scene. But uh, <laughs> so then I explained to Charlie about vegetarian vampires and a little bit about the Twilight lore, and he was confounded. Um, so Mary is the Twilight expert. I am a Twilight apologist, and Charlie is a Twilight novice. So okay. we're making him book report us through the books. Oh so my God. Uh, we haven't is released this any a friend yet, but... that you like and you want to continue the friendship. <laughs> this feels dangerous. This feels it's like you're rolling some dice. Fun. <laughs> Does he know that it ends with like pedophilia imprintation? <laughs> he, you know, it's funny. He was like, "Well, I, we, I asked him when we recorded our intro episode, like, what what do you know culturally?" about twilight and sort of what do you expect to happen versus you know we'll see how that changes when he reads it he was like well i know about the baby and i was like damn it <laughs> do you i don't know if you do because if you called it the baby i feel like there's more to the story so we'll see how he reacts we'll, we'll it'll be a while That'll before be we get to bring on but yeah I think when I got to that point, I was like, what the fuck have I done with my life? <laughs> Why am I, what I is happening? Bites it out of the, the Edward. Oh, yeah. Chews it out of her. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I grew up on V.C. Andrews, and I was like, this shit is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, if you that should be the thing you do after Twilight. You need to start your V.C. Andrews. Uh, I want you, you two to start a V.C. Andrews podcast oh we've uh, already done Girls that Missy andrews podcast i feel like it would be do not tempt me <laughs> <laughs> do not tempt but me because there's of the century like there's nothing i like more than exposing loved ones and people i respect to Missy andrews and watching them like she cringe is away from me in horror <laughs> <laughs> look it's like Mary and I will do the Twilight podcast. You guys will do the VC Andrews podcast. Yes. Elizabeth can do Fear Street podcast. We'll have all these first <laughs> book clubs. Yes. The books. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. All right. So now you've been here before. So we've asked you some questions and like, you know, our listeners have had a chance to get to know you and hopefully they're all subscribing to your show because it's excellent and they should be i i subscribe i love i rock i have multiple plug it up t-shirts that i wear oh on the regular <laughs> i actually need to get the new design i need to like i gotta find your store again because you have a new design that is awesome that i need to get but oh i have the one God. with like the the hand i have uh the good for her with the lips i feel like i have oh, a third like one that. i think i have a third one but that, those are the two that are coming to me off the top of my head so Thanks. i need to get the new one the medusa one <laughs> yes the medusa one it's so good it's so good Thank but you. so we're just gonna do a quick little mm -hmm. check-in so we talked a little bit about plug it up but um the first time you're here we asked you like what are your favorite movies uh so they could kind of get an idea of your perspective and like where you come from as a fan but i'm wondering since you've done that before if there are some recent movies since then that have really have become ones that you think you'll revisit or have become sort of like your favorite canon films you know i i feel like last year was and this maybe is controversial because i heard a lot of people be like oh 2022 sucked for horror but i no I way horror. No, yeah so much good there's so much yeah yeah it ruled we had yeah. so much trouble getting down to 10 yeah 
Yeah. Well, Infinity Pool, I saw twice in theaters, which I haven't done oh, wow. that since Midsummer. <laughs> um, nice. Take that how you will, I suppose. <laughs> I, Rachel, I, I heard you on the Straight Chilling episode, and um, mm -hmm. I actually saw it for the first time late in its release, and then I went again even later. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's speaking to, you know, your review of it and also the movie itself. So that has been one to add to the list. And I loved Fresh from last yes! year. Yes! I loved it so much. So that's been added to, like, the list of running faves. Mm-hmm. Those are excellent choices. Excellent. We just rewatch I just rewatched Infinity Pool. And I think it's even better the second time because you're not just like so like overwhelmed by everything coming at you and you can like watch the character arcs knowing where they end. And like Mia Goth. Whew. It was a lot to take in. I wasn't totally sure what, like walking out of the theater the first time, I was like, I don't really understand. <laughs> but I saw it again because uh, I was intrigued and compelled. And I still yeah. I mean I feel like there are a lot of layers to that, but I, it's definitely been on my mind. So. Have you delved in more into the Cronen, the Brandon Cronenberg of it all? I have not. And I, I remember y'all talking about on Straight Chilling, sort of the Babyberg <laughs> um, catalog. Yeah. So I, I'd like yes. to get into Antiviral and Possessor. Yeah, yes. they're both okay. great. Yeah, I need to Yeah, watch. both of them have themes I think will you will really connect with. Like the monstrous motherhood with Possessor and then... Maybe less so with antiviral, except for like the body horror aspect of it and like the the Love consumption it. of of celebrity by way of flesh. I think it's gonna like speak Woo! to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it has what's his name in it? Is it Caleb Landry Jones in that? Yes. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. Or I've liked him in, in everything I've seen. So. He's great. You're okay. gonna love this then, because it is like a love letter to him. It's just like the camera is just like in love with him. It it he sh is shot so like adoringly and lovingly and it's an interesting juxtaposition and considering the content is so repulsive <laughs> <laughs> but you'll see you'll see i can't wait when you watch it oh you gotta goodness. let me know what you think yes. okay um how about women horror directors uh one of the things we always talk about on here is how it does feel like things are changing and there's so many new women making really cool movies are there any new women horror directors that are on your radar as like ones to watch I think last time I was here, I talked about being a big Julia DeCornow fan and that that stands and stays. Uh, yeah, I will fair. always look forward to what she does <laughs> next. And, you know, I as far as movies, I haven't uh, sort of found any that are like newer to me. But mm -hmm. I I recently, within the last few months, finally went through and watched all of Yellow Jacket season one. Ooh. And Karen Kusama continues to impress, not just on the big screen, but on the TV right? screen. So she is so talented. I yeah. need to give like an extra like circle back. She was always great, but it's so cool to see her doing this project. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that show. I'm it's so, so excited. Good. It's about to I know. Start. It's I know. next week. I yeah. Know. I, I did everything it. I could to try to get into that junket. It unfortunately did not happen for me. Damn it. <laughs> I was in contact with the PR people and they ghosted yeah. me. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> it's so good. My friend Colleen, who's on Plug It Up a lot, she's she's running and I'm guesting on a Yellow Jackets podcast called Orange Sweaters. 
Ooh, amazing. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> so good. But um, yeah, I remember Colleen was like, you you kind of have a misty vibe about you. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you. But also, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> See, I would be so flattered because she is by far my favorite character. Know, like in the so past, good. in the present, she is mm-hmm. like, this is uh, a misty appreciation society yeah. over here. <laughs> I was like, we all know that, but you're not supposed to say it out loud, Colleen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for it to come back. That was like so last year when that thing dropped. I was, I, Ariel can attest, I was like on a, on my highest soapbox shouting like everyone <laughs> must watch like i like, you thought i was bad about andor when that came out like yellow jackets was the next level where i was just harassing every person every woman in my life because i was like you fucking have to watch this it's so amazing <laughs> okay. and then they did now they know and they never questioned me again right ariel right <laughs> sure. how's andor going ariel all right awesome okay last okay one more okay i got two more questions actually all right so i'm good at this (laughs) can you tell this what i do for a living (laughs) (laughs) jesus okay so what are some recent films that you've seen that you think people are sleeping on like what is a hidden gem that you're like nobody's talking about this and they really need to see it so in terms of recent, we'll start with the most recent. I still think more people should watch You Won't Be Alone. Uh, it made my top 10 from last mm. year. And I remember it's, a great movie. it's so good. It's so impressive and it's so beautiful. And I remember I sat in for the Bloody Good Horror um top 10 of 2022. And it was it wasn't on anybody else's list for that was on the show. And I was like, guys, you gotta watch it. I was like, Stars was like, nobody's heard of this movie. Boo. I was like, no, 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 Stars. I was like, I'm not trying to be like an indie cool person. It is really good. And just more people need to know about it. So you won't be alone. Definitely. Yeah. Almost nobody talks about that film, but I thought it was beautiful. And Nomi Rapace is in it. I do love her. I do love her. Huge accomplishment too. I mean, huge Mm -hmm. cast, big scope (laughs) and first time director. So very well done. Oh. All right. All right. That's a good recommendation. I need to, I, it was on my like to watch list and I just ran out of time. Sounds like I made a tactical well, error because I watched no, a lot bad. of bullshit at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make some decisions and it's hard. It's yeah. Hard. Yeah. And it's always I a bummer when you watch the, it after and you're like, damn yeah, it. I didn't fit the the menu in. I didn't fit Bones and All in. So uh, oh. we all skip some. <laughs> You know, we all skip some sometimes. Real good, and it has some monstrous motherhood stuff in it. I'm very excited. I hope to watch it this weekend. I finally found some time. So okay, well, if you watch it, you know what to do. Head to the spooky ladies chat and uh, let me know what you think of it because that's one that after I saw it, I thought about it like every day for a week, and I still occasionally think about it. That's yeah, awesome. That mean, really what does that good. ending mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> I know Mary was a, a big, big fan. So oh, she's yeah. a woman of taste and refinement. She is. She is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. What was, okay. You know, we love to be scared. We have trouble getting scared because we are yeah. husks. We are dead inside. So we're always looking for that secretly actually scary movie. What was the last movie that you watch that scared you? The last movie that I watched that I, I saw in the theater and I came home and was like not 
stoked to go to bed. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> okay. like not wanting to turn off the light. Uh, and it, it was hereditary. And it's been years now, but mm. I, I haven't felt, as a lifelong horror person, I hadn't mm. felt scared, like truly scared yeah. in a long time. And right. that one, one definitely did it. Not also, nice. Lights Out from 20s. Oh, yeah. That was creepy. Uh-huh. So I saw that with the Richmond Horror Club. And when I came home, it was just a terrible storm that day. Came home, was cooking, power goes out. <laughs> so like, oh, no. Network cut oh, no. out, much like it did in the oh, movie. No. And I was like, oh, my God. That it's was happening. like a circumstantial thing. But it, it did get me. I was like, oh. <laughs> this is like when I went and saw Us and the theater we went and saw it in was downstairs in a mall. So you had to take an escalator out. And then in the time what? that I had been in the theater, <laughs> they had set up a carnival in the parking oh, lot no. of this mall. I was like, no, 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 This is unacceptable. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was also the theater I saw Cats right before the pandemic. And I'm convinced, like, not to be weird, but I'm pretty sure I'm responsible for the end of civilization because I was. I've always said that about you. Yeah. January 1st of 2020, 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah. We started the year by going and seeing cats in the theater. <laughs> Which, cursed. It was a cursed film and a cursed yes. experience. <laughs> and the people in the theater agreed. Yep. That was a very vocal crowd. Oh. My crowds <laughs> I, have been vocal lately, I gotta say. Scream yeah? Six, Cocaine Bear, and Megan. The crowds have been popping off. <laughs> I that makes sense for those movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't. I didn't get a good crowd. I mean, I I really enjoyed Scream Six, but I didn't get a good crowd because it was like a bunch of like snobby critics. And then Cocaine Bear, it was like it was actually me and a handful of people ultimately. But when I got there, it was just like me and one dude with a gray ponytail that sat like way too close to me, and I was like, it. And then <laughs> I've never been. Uh, normally, I want an empty theater. Like the less people, the better. Same. I'm like, everyone be quiet. Yeah. Don't eat. Don't come shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been happier to see like a crowd of people come in. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Chew loudly. Talk yes. loudly. But be present. It up. Like, <laughs> I saw it with a group and I am going to have them on because she is a mom, the bear. Um, okay. So yeah. I'm going to cover it. But the, the crew that I had at the movie theater is going to come on to cover it with me. And my brother was there and he can attest that I did jump a couple times in that movie. So yeah. that's what recently scared me the most. So. God, I loved that movie. It was so much fun. So that was good. so fun. We had a that was we had Joe on for that episode. And I was we, like dying during the episode. Yeah. It was oh, so good. funny. So funny. Yeah. We were like, there is only one person <laughs> we can yeah. have on. For when I saw there. like I was like, oh my God, they've done it. Like <laughs> oh, it was so all good. been leading to this. Yeah. Truly. Awesome. It was a great episode. Awesome. Okay, well, those are some great recommendations. I definitely, I agree that Lights Out is creepy as hell. Okay, so up until this point, it's largely been our guests selecting the movies this time, but I'm not sure who picked our movie tonight and what are we watching? I think it was sort of a group effort to pick it, but we're watching Book of Birdie, uh -huh. directed by Elizabeth E. Shook. Okay. And uh, I am so excited that we're talking about this movie <laughs> i saw book of birdie i just like rented it i think when it first came out years ago now and was sort of blown away by what i witnessed in this movie I mean, there's a lot to witness in this yes it's odd it's one of the stranger movies i've ever seen yeah and then a few years after that 
Caitlin came up with her podcast idea. And when I are heard you about linking it, these two things? Do you, are you are you trying to get a cut of those, <laughs> those plug it up profits? <laughs> no, when I when I first heard about the idea for Caitlin's podcast, I was like, oh my god, someday I'm going to need to talk to this woman about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really happy that it finally happened. It didn't feel like a homecoming of sorts because. There are only so many monstrous menstruation movies out there. Yes. And it's a trope that I do love so much, but there's just, there's a limited number of them. So it felt good to like settle into another one. I was like, mm, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that familiar. the monstrous menstruation is like the first frame of the film. Yeah. <laughs> they are not hiding what this <laughs> film is about. No. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, awesome. Okay. So Ariel. Uh, before we move forward, just in case anybody is new around here, what is our spoiler policy on More Deadly? Yeah, so eventually we're going to spoil this whole movie. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the director and the making of the film. And then we're going to give you our general thoughts. And then Rachel will tell you that now is spoiler time. <laughs> and when she says that. <laughs> and I will do it very slowly so you have time. <laughs> but it is free to watch on Tubi. So it's very easy for you to go watch it and come back. Can yes. confirm. And it's not a super long one. Like an no, hour and a half or so. <sighs> mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 90 <laughs> minute run Rachel's time. favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I look at when I put on a movie. I'm like, how much time am I about to spend here? And then I see that. <laughs> I, if, it's, if it's like 90 minutes is the line, right? Like 90 and under, I'm happy. 91, I'm furious and I'm writing Ariel. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Every time I want to pick like a two-hour movie, I'm like, oh, Rachel's going to be so mad. I mean, it depends. It depends. Like when it's at a, like there are some movies that justify a two-hour runtime. And then yeah. I'm like, I Bones wish it was all? longer. It's a long one, right? Bones and all yeah. is a long one. I mean, yeah. no notes. It's yeah. exactly yeah. the right length because it's so amazing. Um, but most movies, the vast <laughs> majority have about... <laughs> 75 minutes that you got. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like like five, 10 minutes, you know, we'll just tighten it up, tighten it up. Um, I haven't seen Skinner Rink yet, which I know is, I should probably get on that. But I remember our friend Eric from Bloody Good Horror put out a tweet that was like, it was like, imagine being the like production people of Skin and Marie and thinking, I can't tell this story in 60 minutes. <laughs> Such an Eric thing to say. And also like, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I feel like wrong. it could be, yeah, <laughs> yeah. tighten a little bit, but that cracked me up. So That's one of those movies where I feel like you are required, even if you didn't like it, to say that you did because the people who really like it will call you dumb yeah. <laughs> on the internet if you're like, I didn't like you it. You just say get it, Rachel. <laughs> right? And that may be true because, I mean, the people who really love it really love, love it. it. Yeah. And I want to have that experience, but I know that I have the patience of a toddler. And so the chances that I'm going to have a good time are very slim. <laughs> yeah, very I, can, slim. I can almost guarantee that you would hate it. Mm -hmm. But the people that I've talked to about it, it seems like the only people that really love it are ones who the horror in it like triggered childhood memories. Mm. And so the horror really worked and really freaked them out. And I think I if you that. don't have a connection to it, it's just static against a wall. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, God, that does not sound like it's for me. You yeah. <laughs> lock my phone in a cage because I feel like I'm just going to constantly be like looking at my phone. Like, and yeah. I, I know that's yeah. a higher meant to experience maybe like mm -hmm. especially one like that. Yeah, you got to sink into it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like I had a really hard time with the Outwaters, and I think it's a similar kind of thing, which is why I haven't yeah. signed up for Skinamarink, where it's just I've, like, 
Have you seen Alan Waters that one? I've heard very mixed things. So I'm people who love it love it. I mean, do you like seeing not knowing what you're seeing, but uh, the entire screen except for this much of it black because it's just a flashlight for two hours? Oh no, no, I because if you do, you are about to have the experience of a lifetime. Oh, and I am always like, it's found footage, right? Yes, but here's here's what's interesting, and then we'll move on. I swear, but I've been holding this. I think there is. Because it's experimental, the experiment is interesting. It's like, what if a found footage was like actually really a found footage mm-hmm. um, and things were not framed and narrative, like things were not edited okay. into a narrative. Um, like you didn't catch the things. You just heard a lot of screaming. Like that's mm. what it, a found footage would look like. And in yeah. that way, it's incredibly successful. As a narrative, less so. <laughs> and that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like a short Skin of Marink is like, I get it. Like, I, I get the concept. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I need to, like, experience it. I don't know. But I like the thought experiment. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Now, Ariel, you know I am guilty of watching things at one and a half to two and a half speed. <laughs> Do you think so? I would enjoy Skin of Marink at two and a half speed? Two and a half. Oh, my um, God. You just put on the subtitles. It's great. Works. <laughs> <laughs> i will say i did watch book of birdie at the regular speed <laughs> okay, Disclaimer. Good. i it's usually i watch things if i've seen it before and i have to review it i'll like do a, du- a two speed to just like refresh my memory or if i have to get through like an entire season of a show because i forgot oh. that i have a junket the next day <laughs> 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 which happens more often than i should admit on the internet <laughs> oh, uh, all right let's get into this so Ariel, first and foremost, thank you for zooming in. I want to see that beautiful face. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I love it. <laughs> it's exciting because like I never know. It's like a shot. It's like, Ta-ta. and I'm like, oh, beautiful Ariel. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Camera two. Um, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about this, the, the making of the film and the director. Okay. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about Elizabeth E. Shook. Her first experience with horror was actually when she was a kid and her babysitter woke her up in the middle of the night to watch The Changeling with her because she was too scared to watch it alone. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Bold. Bold move. Yeah. It uh, terrified her and then was burned into her memory from then on. (laughs) That would do it. That would do it. So she grew up in Wisconsin and attended a Catholic high school where she got the theater bug. She did a lot of singing and dancing in their theater program, a lot of musical theater, but she ended up hurting her knee. So she switched to painting scenery instead. And then eventually she was able to get back to performing. But at this point, her heart really wasn't in it anymore. And all she wanted to do was go back to painting backgrounds, working on the lighting, creating costumes, all the kind of behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Yeah. I have a question about some of the hearing this is there's some elements of this. Um, yes. I don't, I'm wondering if we're going to hear more about, sorry, I'm getting ahead of your, your stuff. <laughs> no, it's, coming you're together, fine. Though. it's coming together in my mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she was obsessed with reading Rebecca de Maurier when she was growing up and also watching Hitchcock movies at a young age, especially his movie Spellbound, which makes so much sense because it's his movie that has a bunch of surrealistic dream sequences that were designed by Salvador Dali. <laughs> oh, shit. So the more you know, <laughs> did not know that. <laughs> 
So while in high school, she was so into theater that she actually rented out a theater so that she and her friend could direct their own version of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged. Wow. (laughs) And then she went on to study set design at the theater school at DePaul University in Chicago. Um, While she was in Chicago, she started working nights and weekends for the Blue Man Group. She, <laughs> I know, what? wild, right? See, every time I think I know, like, you know, you, you, you understand where a woman director is coming from. <laughs> they, like, they went to film school. They didn't go to film school. Did not see the Blue Man Group swerve. I know. <laughs> it's a classic step in directorhood. Right? Especially as a woman. You got to go through your Blue Man Group phase. That's true. Right. That is true. <laughs> So she started out just tearing tickets and cleaning the theater, and then she moved up the ranks until she got um, into house management, lighting, and props for them. And she did that Mm -hmm. for a long time. And then out of college, she started working as a storyboard artist, a concept artist, and a graphic illustrator for TV and movies. She has worked on a lot of documentary programs, science and history shows, and movies like Queen of the Desert. Pacific Rim Uprising, and Wonder Woman, where she actually was hired to storyboard action scenes to kind of punch them up and make them Nice. Yeah. Nice. Like the no man's land scene, which is so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. In my version of this story, she definitely (laughs) did. That's what she did? Okay. (laughs) Yep. So in a great interview she did with womeninrevolt.com, she talked about why she was doing storyboard artist stuff and didn't get into directing right away. She said, quote, this comes up a lot when I talk to other women filmmakers. It just doesn't occur to you that directing is an option or you feel like you need permission to have that ambition. You assume you need to stay in your box. I don't know why it didn't occur to me sooner. Well, I'm glad that she did. Get out of that box, girl. Yeah, that definitely hits, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something a lot of women, yeah, a lot of the women directors we've talked to have kind of said that same thing, you know, that. You don't feel like it's an option. And when you do, sometimes you um, you get into a room and then don't feel like you're welcome. So mm-hmm. yeah. she also said in another interview with pophorror.com, quote, over the years, I've worked with a lot of directors and in about 95 times in 100, it's a guy. When I started to see the statistics on the number of women in film, both on screen, behind and directing, it was a shock. And I thought, fine, I want to do this. Let's get those numbers up. And so that's when she wanted to get into directing. That's awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. So in 2017, she directed her first feature-length film, Book of Birdie, the one we're talking about today, after only directing one short film prior to that. She was actually in the middle of producing one of her husband's films when the inspiration for Book of Birdie struck. She had this idea of a girl who bleeds and sees that as a superpower and something that she's really proud of. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of it also comes from her own experience with polycystic ovary syndrome or PCOS. Yeah. A lot of sense. Yeah. Um, this once re- resulted in her bleeding heavily for 40 days straight. And so it's kind of that experience that she's pulling on. She said that after a while, when you're bleeding like that, you start to get pretty loopy. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, was some of what so. she wanted to express. So Because of that feeling of like loopiness, her and her co-writer, Anami Tara Shukart, thought about sort of the slow creeping madness that bleeding would cause if it just Mm. kept happening endlessly. 
So as a kid, she also had frequent nosebleeds, <laughs> which is kind of oh where God. this film opens. <laughs> I think we might be, I, I might be her. <laughs> I have such Elizabeth? bad nosebleeds. Is that you? Still, but it's me. PCOS <laughs> <laughs> nosebleed, babe. That's me. <laughs> so she said that because she had frequent nosebleeds, she's always been more fascinated by blood than grossed out by it. And while she was working on the script, she also collected candles and jars of blood to help her get into Birdie's headspace, which I thought was very interesting. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Pause. She said it real casually in an interview, and I wish there was more information, but that's all I've got. <laughs> I want to know she where did she altar, source like what happened? this jars of blood? Right. Under the where bed? did they I come from? Like the movie? Where did the blood come from? Well, that's what I mean. Is it her is blood? It yeah. Her blood? Is it? I don't know. Other, like, going to the butcher shop? Is it <laughs> making caro syrup blood? I need additional details. details. Like, where are the journalists? <laughs> someone Where's was like you know what question? no follow-up that's fine they didn't want to know totally normal yeah. <laughs> occasionally one of the directors that we'll be talking about listens to the show because you know like i wouldn't blame them i would want to know if yeah. somebody were talking about sure. something right elizabeth if you are out there <laughs> please slide into the dms or come on the show i have follow-up questions about the blood collection <laughs> look i'm your compatriot in pcos and bloody noses yeah. I had a bloody nose in the shower the other day, and it was literally like a horror movie. It was like, oh no, running everywhere. I was like, I'm gonna need to bleach my shower. Like this is this is <laughs> oh my goodness. a literal horror movie. So, my brother this... and I get them. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know that I've ever had a bloody nose. Like what? ever, ever. If I talk about it too much, I'm gonna get one. Like yeah. my my mom used to be like, oh, your babysitters and school nurses would be like, I think they need to go to the hospital. <laughs> No, they just get really bloody noses. I don't know. Yeah, that's all the crazy. I got them right a lot here. as a teenager, but now even now, sometimes I'll wake up with like my face just on a bloody pillow. Yeah. Really? I started bleeding while I was sleeping. Oh my gosh. In the winter. Yeah. yeah. There was this like uh, influencer. I don't remember his name. Um, he he's like a queer influencer. He was on an episode of Drag Race. That's where I knew him from. But anyways. He, it was like in a list of like times people were too innocent to be on the internet. And he had tweeted about like getting a bloody nose in the shower and looking down and seeing blood on himself and freaking out about it. And then like the next week was like, ladies, ladies, please stop. Oh, yeah. I get it. I get it. Please stop. I get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Ariel. I, I, I had to, I had, sorry. I had to, I understand. I had those same exact questions. Okay. So I get it. <laughs> All right. So also when thinking about the film, she imagined it being set in a haunted convent that actually existed. She lived just a few blocks from it when she was growing up. It's called the Kemper Center. Apparently, there was actually a nun who hung herself there Ooh. and another nun who died because she fell down a spiral staircase. Oh, geez. The one that you see in the film. Uh, oh, yeah. Is this shot yeah. at that convent? They were able to shoot it <gasps> at that convent. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So she grew up Catholic and went to all Catholic schools growing no up. No so way. She's <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so she says she's very familiar with the church and religious symbols. And she's also fascinated by kind of the nature of belief holy visions, and kind of the historical role women played in the church. She was really interested in the fact that stigmata is mostly experienced by women. 
And that in the past, if you heard voices from God, it was kind of a path to power for women that didn't otherwise have any. Oh, and she was really interested by that. Yeah. I mean, I think the you can feel some of that just even in the characterization of the mm-hmm. nuns. Like they are very much not your stereotypical nuns. They have a lot more yeah. diversity in personality and internal life and like they're gentler and kinder than oftentimes they're shown in in films especially in the horror genre like usually that's yeah. that's like shortcut to like you know yeah. cruel sort of yeah so it's interesting that like they're a little more nuanced so that makes sense yeah. to me yeah no i appreciate that about the movie too cuz you know my dad, he has a master's of divinity. And so when I was growing up, he was getting that degree. And then my parents did a lot of activism work with um, Catholic nuns and priests who all were very involved in like liberation theology. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up interacting with a lot of nuns. And my stepmom worked as a social worker for a Catholic organization. So there were always nuns around. <sighs> and the ones that I see in movie are not like the nuns that I met. And maybe it's because they were all like, super leftist people but just like way more open and kind than like the nuns hitting you with rulers kind yeah. of thing you see yeah. in I mean, a lot of movies. nuns Not can be super rad exist. and radical yeah yeah but, yeah. yeah i think mm-hmm. it's just maybe depends yeah i've seen the devils i <laughs> <laughs> touche <laughs> So the two, uh, the writer and the director, they challenged themselves to write this script with an all-female cast. Mm. And the writing process happened super quickly. Uh, Elizabeth got the idea in May. They wrote the script in July, and they filmed it in December. Whoa. Yeah. That's <laughs> so fast. I mean, I'm. did she talk about how she secured funding that quickly? That's amazing. Yeah. So her and her husband, who's also her creative partner, they self-funded the entire film by working as many extra jobs as they could. And then they took out loans to cover the rest. She talked about how she thought about doing a Kickstarter or looking for funding elsewhere. But she said that when you combine religion, horror, feminism, and lady blood, you're eliminating a lot of potential supporters. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. Especially when you're chug lugging it. Yeah, yeah. I can see how that might be. Me wondering why the plug it up numbers aren't more. (laughs) (laughs) How dare people not want to download this podcast? (laughs) Oh my gosh. They're missing out. They're missing out. The show is everything. My uh, favorite quote from the Women in Revolt interview that she did was, no film can have too much glitter and blood. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) no lies detected. (laughs) I think most movies would be improved with a little more glitter and a little bit and a lot more blood. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, since Book of Birdie, she's continued to work really successfully as a storyboard artist, and she's directed a TV special. She is currently in post-production on a horror short film that she wrote and directed called Mm -hmm. Twist Tie about a cheerful dancer's morning routine being interrupted by a pest from an unexpected source. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe this is just a proof of concept for a feature-length film. You know how sometimes they do? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, though. I mean, I love anything about a dancer because it's just like a straight shot to body horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no way that a toenail isn't popping off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hear some cracking. We're going to hear yes. some, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. Cool. Awesome. Well, she sounds rad and super interesting as if I didn't already know that by watching the film that she made, which, yeah. 
I we definitely <laughs> need to get into this because I'll be honest, like I it's like you said, it's such a vibe. And I feel like I'm still absorbing what I saw. Like visually, it was like very, very rich. But I feel like I'm not smart enough for this movie. So I'm hoping you two smarty <laughs> ladies are going to explain it to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we're going to put all our eggs in Ariel's basket then. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's get into our thoughts. As our guest, Caitlin, what did you, without, we're going to uh, go into our non-spoiler thoughts. So without spoiling any major plot points, what did you think of Book of Birdie? I thought it was really beautiful. Uh, the the glitter and blood really rings true. I felt like there are these sort of like interstitials with what look like crafts. And I'm a big craft person. And it makes sense that she has this background painting because they sort of like, they like float through the screen and like transition to next scenes. And I loved the aesthetic of all of those. Mm -hmm. I love... I have no background with Catholicism personally, but I love Catholic iconography. And there's mm -hmm. a ton of that here. <laughs> we have yeah. like a little um, <laughs> altar of sorts that we get to look at and play with. And it's like crafty in its own way. It's spooky in its own way. So I love the general aesthetic that this movie's putting forward. And I love, I, I, so much of what I'm going to say, I think has to do with the way it looks and feels, because I, I think that's, maybe what the intent was and also because I, I might need help understanding a little bit of the narrative <laughs> but I like the look of Birdie herself being this very yeah. wide-eyed unusual girl <laughs> not fitting in in a very severe with you know kinder nuns than we're used to in horror but still severe environment yeah um so watching her just sort of navigate is really interesting to me. Watching the blood play is really interesting to me. And seeing these really beautiful aesthetics that have to do with blood and glitter and Catholic iconography that still feels very mysterious to me. It just, it was a treat to look at. And I, I feel like I'm gonna need to watch it a few more times to fully understand maybe the narrative. But, you know, without spoiling anything, we've gotten into some monstrous menstruation beats and I, I love those. So. <laughs> so this was definitely interesting. And I, I'm excited to dig more into what you said about the stigmata and sort of ambition and sort of rising to power with sort of those stipulations. But yeah. I thought this was really beautiful. Yeah. How about you, Ariel? What did you think? This is a second <laughs> watch for you. How did you do this time? It is. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, you know, when I saw it originally, I think I was just sort of blown away by the imagery. And this time I felt like I sunk into it a little bit more. I still don't know that I totally understand everything that happened in this film. So we'll see if I can answer any questions. I'm not sure I can. But I really like this movie. It is odd. It is very slowly paced. It's super artistic. Um, you know, there's just like absolutely stunning and hypnotic and like wildly creative visuals in this film and I think mostly that's kind of what you're there for as you know and Birdie herself I think um but for people who don't like slowly paced art house films you are going to hate this movie <laughs> yeah, if you're not here for atmosphere pack it up like yeah. that's it's it's a lot of atmosphere it's, it's a it's, lot of atmosphere yeah it's, a, it's vibes it's music videos it's gifts it's like that's <laughs> the that's like the the nature of it and i think it's great and i'm glad you think it's great too but i know that not every if you're more narratively driven 
yeah might not be for you exactly exactly um i also think it's one of the most unique coming of age movies i've ever seen and i love the fact that it's Mm. focused on a 13 year old girl because i think so often with coming of age stuff we get the older teens and not that sort of preteen teenager era and i've certainly never seen it done in quite this way i think mm-hmm. um i also think we've seen i mean we've seen so many horror movies that utilize catholic iconography but this film feels like it's doing it in a completely unique way that i've never seen before where you're getting a combination right. of like the inner workings of the convent but also birdies like improvised religious rituals which are so beautiful and strange and like compelling and i also Mm -hmm. think that it's an exploration of like i don't know trauma and what it's like to grow up as a strange kid in a world that doesn't get you you know Mm -hmm. i don't know i just think there's a lot of beauty to this film and it's worth a look if you can hang with something that's a little slow and surrealistic yeah Yeah, I think I largely agree with you. I think that the strength of this really is in its visuals, but also in its performance. Yeah. Um, I'm I know I'm gonna say her name incorrectly, but Iridia Mimdovsky. Iridia Mimdovsky. Does that sound remotely close? Okay, I apologize (laughs) to our Russian comrades. I'm sure I messed that up. (laughs) But um I she is incredibly compelling. Like you said, sort of the wide-eyed nature of her appearance yeah but i also think there is something deeply mysterious and also achingly sad about her and i think as the story begins to resolve and kind of give you hints at the backstory that all really makes sense but it it's so compelling and it you it's required to take you along on like what you said that this is not like a narrative heavy film you have to just be invested in wanting spending time with her and wanting to spend time looking at her and and so i think it's well cast and well performed on that level i think you're right it is a unique spin on um catholic horror because so often the basis of what the film's like horror is rooted in has to do with superstition or um like a supernatural aspect or the evils of the church and the corruption of the church and in this it it really doesn't touch on any of those things like there's nothing scary about the religious aspects even when she sees some of the the idols move like that's not really played for scares so much like there isn't it's not treated as some sort of big evil like the horror it's more of a supernatural film than i would say a straight up horror film like there are some visuals that are i think are you know kind of frightening like the hanging nuns Mm -hmm. and the nun at the bottom of the stairs and you know there's a lot of blood there's a lot of shocking content around like menstrual blood that i think people would be freaked out by but it's like not really interested in vilifying any of those things um it's much more interested in just sort of the her ex like self exploration in like the most taboo of ways, which is like super fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, and, and so, she's her mind obviously works a little bit different because she's not startled and scared mm-mm. by some of these spooky <laughs> things. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of are just f- like flatly react like, oh, that is what it is, and yeah. she interacts with it in the way that her mind is very unusual. So it it's like a character study of the way her mind works, which. Is different, and I, I appreciate her 
her a little spooky weird mind. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's one of the nuns that one of the dead nuns that she kind of has a, a warm relationship yeah, with. Yeah. And I sa- I found myself thinking about like when you hear about the way that um schizophrenia manifests in different cultures, mm. whereas like in the US you know, it's always kind of, well, not always, but it's more, much more likely that it's going to be seen as something scary. These are voices that want evil things, that want yeah. to push you to do things. But in other cultures, like where that, I don't know exactly what element of their culture, but they they see it as elders speaking to them, often benign mm. voices. It doesn't have the same sort of like negative connotation or experience. And so I, yeah, I don't know. That's what I found myself thinking about. I haven't fully parsed that idea, but when I was watching her just kind of like have a matter of fact experience talking to this dead nun, I was like, this is, this is interesting. I don't know. A lot of things I feel like I'm like halfway yeah, have worked out in my head and <laughs> I'm hoping fair. by the end of this episode, I'm like in a place. I know that I generally feel really positive about this film. Like I feel like I had a good experience watching it, um, but I'm still kind of working through the themes and the plot beats and mm-hmm. understanding who is amongst the living and who is not. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. So would you guys recommend that people check out Book of Birdie? Um, Caitlin. Yes, I would. I recommend it. Um, just like kind of like Ariel said, you know, it is an atmospheric art house movie. So go in with that and just sort of let yourself experience it and maybe watch it a couple more times. Just, you, might, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, it, it might take yeah. a couple times, but it's it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. And Ariel, how about you having seen it twice? Would you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. I think this movie is breathtaking in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. super like I don't know, melancholy and creative and Mm. worth your time. Yeah. 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 I think there are some people that I would definitely not recommend it to people who, I mean, I am amongst them who don't have a ton of patience, but who have even less patience than me. But I think for the people who I know I've connected with about like more art house and also like interesting um, explorations of femininity and girlhood, like this is going to just like hit for them. Uh, and so for those people, oh yeah, easy recommendation for me. All right. So you now know our thoughts, you know what to do, you know who you are, you're either heading to Tubi or you're not, that's, you know, select an adventure of your choice. But, um, For those of you who want to stick around for our deeper thoughts, we are heading into the spoiler zone. I'm going to give you a synopsis that is pretty spoilery. um, And then we're going to have a conversation about it that is like no holds barred. Uh, This is me telling you to get out of here. I've given you some time. (laughs) So grab that phone, hit the old pause button. And uh, we're now officially in the spoiler zone. All right. So Birdie is a young woman. With a pretty intense fixation on her menstrual blood. She's taken by her grandmother to a convent where she begins seeing the ghosts of dead nuns, who, one of whom is pretty kind to her, one of them, not so much. Um, I'm curious to see how much of this you think is in her head and how much she's actually experiencing. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Uh, She strikes, also strikes up with a friendship with a girl named Julia that eventually blossoms into a very sweet romance. Meanwhile, she's sort of playing with her blood all over the convent, and one of the sisters becomes convinced that she's experiencing stigmata, and she wants to use that in order to keep the convent, which is on the verge of closing, open. Julia, like, their relationship develops, um, but she keeps talking about how she wants to leave, and she gets the opportunity to do so when she gets a scholarship and, in the process, breaks things off with Bertie, and then maybe dies? 
I'm not yeah. sure. Um, Birdie's special suitcase where she's been like conducting these, like you said, beautiful rituals include involving all of these uh, prayer cards and saint cards and ribbons and doilies and blood. Very cool stuff. Very, very cool stuff. Um, it gets discovered and her grandmother is alerted who shows up and we learn a little bit more about Birdie's backstory here. Um, but ultimately her grandma's not here to come get her. It's just to tell her, like, I found you another place to go, which is this girl's school. Um, she, Birdie does, I guess, doesn't want to go to that school. No. So instead she heads outside and lays down in the snow and freezes to death, question mark. The end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, there's well a done. lot here, a lot here, and I and I think so much of what I struggle, and my struggle. I mean, I literally am am trying to parse it. Not that I'm struggling in terms of my enjoyment level, but like, it, how much of a, a reliable narrator is Birdie? I feel like on a scale of one to ten, pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that she's not a super reliable narrator, but like the scene where you're thinking that Julia died, I never took it that way. I thought that that Birdie just thinks that she died because of what she saw, but Julia actually left to go to school. That's how mm. I always read it because we get that mm. drawn out scene of mm. Julia like reaching for the cigarette case and then realizing that it's a lost cause and walking off, you know? So it's not like she dropped that and fell in the lake. See, I think we because we cut away. I think she fell. So you think in she fell in the lake, and then the conversation she has with Birdie when she breaks it off is just in Birdie's head, or like in a ghosty way, yeah. And then because that's why when Birdie sees that the the case is still down there, like why would they show us the case was still down there? Well, I assumed it was because they wanted to show us why Birdie was so defeated like why she would lay down in the snow and die is because julie is not there and she can't stay at the convent anymore either which has become like her safe right. place but maybe right. i'm wrong i mean i don't know this is just my interpretation we, yeah. we gotta get elizabeth on the show and be like tell us, <laughs> tell us <laughs> dumb. Educate us. no and that's how i feel because i i took everything extremely literally like obviously mm -hmm. when her ovaries start to float uh, up above her right like, that's such a cool scene yeah, very cool scene <laughs> so that's cool birdie's perception of things and yeah. she can see the hanging nun incredible visual there she can yes. see the nun at the bottom of the stairs also a very good very yeah. scary visual um but i took it as like Julia dropped her case. We see her like teetering, like, am I going to get it? Am I going to leave it? Am I going to get it? Am I going to leave it? And then she goes to school. <laughs> so my, I don't know if I was just like not in a, a lofty headspace, but I just took it as very literal. Julia went off to school. Okay. No. I guess maybe I'm alone. Maybe I don't, I'm in a dark place right now. <laughs> so I, I like that interpretation yeah. a lot though, because yeah, it makes sense, especially the way a child, because I think that's one thing I need to keep coming back to is that Birdie's 13, yeah. which is so young. So um, young. And I appreciate that. Like, we got Hatching, which was around the same age, yeah. like 12-ish, 13. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see a monstrous menstruation movie or any coming-of-age movie that focuses on that younger sort of side yeah. of things. But yeah. Birdie being so young <laughs> and thinking of her ovaries as this, like, little, like, bird thing that comes up and floats above her in the sun. And mm -hmm. to think that, you know... Julia, like this is Julia saying goodbye, even though in reality she died. Like that's a very childlike way of coping. And it's I think very it, true. Yeah. You, you know, it's like right. her as a child and her like so coming into adulthood. And obviously her, her mind works a little bit differently. And maybe she's not 
coping with it the way other people would. And she's using this very childlike way lens to see things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I do. I love all of the metaphors around birds as well. Like, obviously, she's named Birdie, but, like, the nun calls her Chickadee. Mm-hmm, and yeah. then, like you said, her ovaries become a <laughs> become a bird, essentially, and fly away. I love the name Birdie. I always have. So yeah, I like it's a good one. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> it's like a good old-timey name. Yeah, I love an old-timey yeah. name. Like yes. a Vivian or a Birdie <laughs> or a Gert. <laughs> I love a Gert. Uh-huh. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been looking at Goldie lately, like Marigold, Goldie. Oh, old yeah, that's a good one, one. too. Yeah. That is a good one. All right. So let's talk about the stigmata. You were saying that that is something that has like a, a history of being a place where women can find power with the like visions. With holy um, visions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that like it kind of is almost used by one of the nuns in order to try to like like electric boogaloo save the rec center. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any any thoughts around that? So when Ariel talked about that having been a way for women to rise to power or to at least like claim some power in a system that historically doesn't give women much at all. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I did not realize, I guess looking back now at all the horror content that I've consumed, because that's where I get my Catholicism from, <laughs> but right. looking back, like it is women that in movies and, you know, media and things like that, that, that get stigmata. Um, I, I also like that that definitely reinforces that one character who is like, you know, trying to save the convent and her whole like ambition arc is really interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed her desperation of going to like taste the blood to like, maybe this can help her get to where she thinks birdie is or is going really interesting. I, I hadn't known all of that beforehand, but now it's like the gears are starting to turn a little bit. I'm not totally there yet, but I, I right. really like where it's going. Yeah. Especially because that nun beautifully talk- wasn't speaking voice. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> that nun was talking in the library with birdie about how, she wants to go to Africa to like help sick babies. And the way she was talking about it, it made it seem like she really just wanted to do that for the accolades. Do you know what I mean? And she was saying saying, like (laughs) here, like all you get to do is teaching and feeding the homeless. It's thankless work, you know, which to be fair, like it is thankless work because we don't do enough to like support people who do that kind of work or to do it ourselves a lot of times. And so I get where she's coming from, but she also does want to be thanked and to have, I think, more power than she does. I mean, they're at this little convent that's about to close and all it takes is a phone call to say, like, we're taking the one religious artifact you have that's keeping you open. Mm -hmm. So like so long. And you know, that happens to nuns all the time where their convent is closed. They don't have a convent. They often have to work to support themselves. And as the nuns get older to support the older nuns, because the church Mm. does not do it, there is no like retirement plan there. So they'll work themselves to death and care for the older nuns that are sick. And um, I've seen it happen. And so I think that it's interesting that like this man can just call up and close down the whole thing. And the only way that she sees as a path to staying open and keeping their community is to use Birdie, you know? Well, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I initially read that dynamic as her being resentful of Birdie for having this power bestowed on her, which, you know, <laughs> TBD on how any of that plays out in real life. <laughs> but her perception is that Birdie yeah. has this sort of power this gift given to her by god and i like the little bit of like resentment and jealousy and her like Mm -hmm. tasting the blood 
thinking that maybe that's going to be either like some divine thing from God for her, or maybe that she'll come to inhabit some of those powers herself. I don't know. But mm -hmm. I like the sort of, it, it's so sad what you're saying to me also about this nonsense. Like breaking yeah, my heart. Yeah, that's oh, shocking. Jesus, yes, I want to document a docu-series about that right now. Um, yeah. But like the turn from this sort of like girlhood jealousy uh, that very much fits their age, if she's around that same age, and, you know, the desperation of clinging to each other in whatever way that you can to keep it open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love the blood so much in this movie. <laughs> it's so good. I just I love the way that she like paints her face and paints these saint cards, you know, like uses it mm -hmm. as an art supply almost and like part of her own rituals that she creates. I love that scene where we see her praying and then the camera goes down and we realize that she's praying while kind of kneeling over a bowl that collects their blood so that she can put it in the, what is it, the Philomena altar she has under her bed. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it's so fascinating. And it's it's turned something that we normally, a lot of society thinks of as like gross and disgusting into something really beautiful and meaningful. And I don't know, I just, I really appreciated that about this film. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's such a celebration of menstruation. Yeah. You know, I don't know that, I don't know that I've seen one more celebratory. I mean, I've certainly seen movies where it's destigmatized or where it, but it's always treated like very taboo. Here it's treated almost like a sacrament, yeah, which is exactly. very different than I've ever seen before. Now I will defer to you, Caitlin, as the <laughs> expert in uh, menstruation in the genre, but like, this is certainly the first time I've seen it this way. Yeah, it's definitely the first time I've seen it so celebrated and to be quite literal, like sticking both hands in, like going full for it. And I, it's funny because this, it's a really beautiful movie and there are some really striking scenes, but it's not particularly visceral in terms of like body horror or anything no. like that. But there's something about when she does have it on her face and when it's on her hands and she's like sort of playing with it in the sink, that's mm -hmm. a very childlike, but it also, it reminds me of when I have had a bloody nose. And if you've ever gotten blood like on your hands or on your face and when it dries and it feels so tight mm -hmm. and it's just like that brought back some viscera for me, you know, mm. that, like, feeling what it's like. So it's like, it's not like this movie was digging into like, I don't know, specific body sensations, but I could feel it just sort of secondhand almost, yeah. which was a really surprising side effect, I guess, phenomena from this that I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting. So, Yeah, I mean, you're right. We do need to remember how young she is as well. Like I, the, a big plot point of this is the is the comic books and like yeah. the role that that like the the way that she wants to embrace that childhood. But even though she's in a safe place is no longer has access to it. And it becomes like a kind of a, 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 a you know, a romantic plot point with Julia. But and at the I kept forgetting how young she was, but as you're saying, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about these plot points and like kind of recontextualizing it and kind of like the sweet sadness of her loss of childhood and not yeah. having access to something that, you know, is something that she really loved. Um, I think that's like the metaphor of like what's happening. Cause we, you know, we find out like about 
essentially that I, I assume that she was sexually assaulted yes. and that's how, okay. That was my interpretation, but I also thought the girlfriend was dead. So what do I know? <laughs> you might be <laughs> right about that. Stop. <laughs> I like that theory. No, that made me hate like evil dead nun so much when she was yeah. like essentially blaming her for her own rape. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Evil dead nun. <laughs> evil dead nun. <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, yeah. yeah. But she is really young. It's, I honestly had to go back and be like, well, how old is Julia? She's going to this semester-based program. Hopefully she's not like, you yeah, know, it's yeah. that much older. But it's it's hard because obviously Bertie's grandmother is, for whatever reason, there's some emotional distance there. Right. Um, she has no one to shepherd her through any of these changes. She yeah. She's playing with the blood probably because she doesn't think that there's anything shameful about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one's taught her or shepherded her through like what this means for herself when she has the question mark fetus question mark come out of her and she kind mm -hmm. of like keeps it as like a little pet almost I like know. it's it's yeah, very it's very childlike. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think for the the grandmother too. Like one, I think this is supposed to be set in like the '60s or late '50s, and so it oh. wouldn't be that strange to have somebody who was like who becomes pregnant or who has a, something like this happen and then like take them to a convent. Um, but I also think it made me wonder when she was talking to the other nun, cause she made it seem like um, Bertie's mother had had the same thing happen to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, well, she says like by the same person. Back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it made me, it made me wonder if that isn't part of the grandmother's distance because like the same thing happened to her daughter and perhaps Birdie is even the product of that. And then it happened yeah. to her. I mean, it doesn't excuse like just shoving her somewhere <laughs> while she's going through no, something horrible and traumatic. But I think it made me understand a little bit better, you know. Yeah. Also, Birdie's like kind of weird. I, I yeah, can see where sure. my mother sat with a weird, more unusual little kid. girl yeah. not knowing what to do. And especially when that situation arises. My read was that Birdie was aware of what was happening but like yeah. didn't understand the, the context of it when the nun is like we need to talk about your stained mattress and mm -hmm. birdie's just kind of like it's like she doesn't even register that that's a problem it's like well yeah the, i bled on it yeah <laughs> duh you know so it's like i i feel like she's not it's just all very foreign to her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. either because mm -hmm. she's a child or because she's had no one to tell her what this is yeah it definitely yeah. seemed like when she had the miscarriage or whatever happened there that she didn't really understand completely what was going on, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, do we think that this film is ultimately about kind of like the making of a modern saint? Like I'm mm -hmm. thinking about, as we're talking about the different ways, like sort of like the atypical ways that she thinks, I think about like things we now hear about like Joan of Arc potentially, mm -hmm. like with her visions, um, yeah. If, if she was really experiencing visions, like maybe that was like uh, evidence of, of some level of mental, um, if not illness, like, you know, atypical mental mm -hmm. workings. I don't know. I don't know the right words here, but I'm wondering if like, cause at the end we see her when she's laid out there, she's surrounded by all sort of like mm -hmm. the accoutrement of Philomena, like the arrows, the anchor, yeah. all those things, those are things that are associated with her. But I wonder if like, this is sort of, the making of a saint because in the film early on, they talk about how all of that happens after you die and you get none of the glory while you're alive. And then they, there's like stories told 
that lead to like, you know, these fantastical stories that are told after your death that lead to you becoming a saint. And I kind of, you feel like these stories will be told by the nuns after the fact about Mm -hmm. her having stigmata and bleeding everywhere. And so you're seeing kind of like the other side of like the actual human side of it, but you can see how the like sainthood fanfic would come from this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a big part of what the director was trying to say, or at least give you that as like an option of what was happening. Uh If you're thinking about it, especially because like St. Philomena is, was 13 when she was killed. Um, That's right. And she was like martyred or something. I didn't, I looked it up, but because I don't know anything about Catholicism really. Like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I looked it up and, and she was a uh, she was 13 years old when yeah. she took a, co- a vow of consecrated virginity and then like basically the emperor was like obsessed with her and he tried to she wouldn't marry him yes. so he tortured her but then the angels would like protect her she was drowned with an anchor shot with arrows and kept um, but alive. angels kept taking her side yeah. yes and then finally she was decapitated yeah lovely Ooh. Catholicism is fucking wild I yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man well, and also, if if she is moving towards sainthood, I mean, they're going to have hella relics now. They don't have the finger anymore, but they have hella blood they sure <laughs> yeah. do. from St. Bertie. So. And all this artwork that she's created. I yeah. love all of her religious rituals. And I love the, like, shrine she created in that suitcase. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, yeah. layers and layers of, like, dried flowers and lace and glitter and yeah. religious symbols. It's so cool. I just, I love the way they did that. And I love how. I mean, the space under her bed, like, didn't really make sense. It it felt like it was growing all the time. But I love that she created this little world under there. You know, this little, like, secret chapel, almost, under her bed. Also very childlike. Yeah. Like, secret secret chapel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the interstitials, there's these really cool animated interstitials. Do you have any story, like any information on the background of those? Were those things that that Elizabeth made? Yeah, so Elizabeth made most of that. It's a combination of her own artwork and some antique stuff that she added in. And then her husband, who was also the cinematographer for this film, um, did the sort of animated them to make the movement happen to kind of look like puppets. And she saw them as like Mm. scene breaks. Yeah. It's really, cool. really beautiful. Yeah. And they, like I said, I am no Catholicism expert, did not grow up in the Catholic church. And honestly, a lot of it is very, very new to me. And I've gotten a lot of my info from horror movies, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Uh, but they are beautiful. And if someone was like, make something Catholic looking, I'd be like, I I would, yep, yeah, I would do the little halo thingy. <laughs> like, I was like, for someone who like, doesn't get it, it really drove it home for me even. So they were really beautiful to look at and also helpful you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i love the iconography here it's gorgeous yeah even in the chapel like correct me if i'm wrong but she there's a scene where she's in the chapel looking like a bride mm-hmm. to jesus which is obviously the way a lot of sort of nuns approach yes. things but it also was giving me very like like a prayer a very like tori amos but also like beautiful yeah, but if you're a child mm-hmm. growing up in a convent and you're hearing this like bride of Christ, like married to the church, like a very literal interpretation of her walking down the aisle in a wedding dress to this like form of Jesus. I was like, it's just 
the more I watch it, I guess I didn't know when I first started it that she was 13 and then it came up and I was like, oh my God. And that colored everything for me going forward. How little she yeah, is. Yeah, that dream sequence is so cool. I also love the dancing one too. I yeah. thought that was really cool. Just the visuals Beautiful. in this film. They're so creative. I looked at um, the director's website and she has examples of a lot of her um, artwork that she's done for different movies and it, they are beautiful like she is an incredibly talented so it does not surprise me that this movie looks so great mm -hmm. um i also really liked when birdie keeps like sneaking into the church to decorate the different like mm -hmm. religious statues and there's one where she puts like a scarf and a mask almost like a, a mask and a superhero cape yeah. on the virgin mary i thought that was really cool <laughs> I don't yeah. know how Catholics would feel about that, but I thought it was really cool. I mean, I loved the nun's reaction where she was just like, no vandalism. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. there was a humanity to these nuns yeah. that I don't think we typically see in the genre, which was nice. Yeah. Well, was there's nice. just a lot of diversity, like you said, mm -hmm. Rachel. There's like the kind of ambitious young one who's like, I'm going to be the savior nun and in a way that I'm going to go save babies and everyone's going to think that I'm really cool. <laughs> and then there's the one that's at lunchtime that's like, you don't talk much, do you, weirdo? And it's like, okay, ease up. Ease up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and there's like Mother Superior who is very Mother Superior about yes, just uh, that was well done. Like she, yeah. she hit all the notes. And then there's like the kind one that's like uh, encouraging her to, to use her voice and yeah. yeah. She has a beautiful it's voice, too. Yeah, yes. I know. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we wrap up our review of Book of Birdie? I also really like the relationship with Julia. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but I just think they're so sweet and kind of innocent together in that, yeah. that sort of attic space, whatever it was, where Birdie was obviously decorating it over time because each time we went there, there were like more things around them. And they're just so, so sweet together. And I really liked this whole like the whole relationship between them was almost so matter of fact, a lot of times in like coming of age films, if somebody is like, they have to like come out as gay and there's like an agonizing yeah. over it or discussion. And yeah. here it just felt like, yeah, they really like each other yeah. and it's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You yeah. know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I did like that. I also yeah. like how wintry this movie is. They mentioned a couple of times that they're in Wisconsin and Ariel, you mentioned that, you know, Elizabeth is from Wisconsin or grew, spent time there. And I, I don't know. It's just, I love a cold movie and I love like, it's like the, the icy sort of cliff where we see Julia fall to her death. Maybe question mark, maybe not. Yeah. But I'm, it's so I'm watching beautiful. it in the background while we're talking. She did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe you don't have like, enough imagination for it. <laughs> or like when they're sort of like kissing and rolling in the, the snow. And yeah. then of course, Bertie at the end sort of like laying down into the snow. There's something so beautiful about that. And I feel like I know there are cold weather horror movies. We just don't get enough of them, in my opinion. And I really like the way that she embraced that setting. Yeah. And like the convent seems cold. Oh, yeah. Even though it's a safe place and warm, maybe, you know, it's a big um, old emotionally. Building, but it's, I'm yeah. sure, so cold and so drafty. <laughs> and yeah. it's just, oh, I love the snow shots. It's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the director does such a great job where it's like, the outside shots we have these like huge wide views of the snowy lake and the snowy convent and then the rest of the time the camera is 
focused, like hyper focused on Birdie's face, which, you know, sometimes when movies do that, it annoys me because I'm like, just back up a little bit. But here her face is so expressive and the movie is so much about the way she feels that I felt like it was really successful. Also, that final scene where she's laying in the snow it was really snowing in Wisconsin when they filmed this movie. And so in order to do this, because I think she said something about it being like negative 30 when they filmed that scene. So they had one minute to do it where they had to lay her down in the snow and film it. And they filmed it twice. And on the second take, it broke the camera because it was so cold. Oh my God. And luckily the first take worked. And so they didn't have to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I don't know I how these Midwesterners do it. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's too I am much a delicate little snowflake. I cannot <laughs> handle it. Like it is, I don't know, forty degrees outside, and I'm like, this is inhuman. How are people supposed <laughs> to survive in these conditions? <laughs> There's a draft. I don't know if I'm gonna. <laughs> I don't know. This might be the end. So I want to tell you all, I love you. Yeah, I don't survive the night. That's me in the summer too. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, same, same. Honestly, my range is not very wide. Right. It's just yeah. I would say sixty-eight to seventy-two. I'm great. Anything outside that, I'm in danger. I'm in trouble. I'm like a like one of those. I don't know, like uh, like a sugar baby. You know, like you have to like be super careful with those pets. Yes. Like that's me. Like a sugar, sugar baby. baby, a sugar no blider. sugar blinder. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> column A, column B. I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I would like to be both. I was going to say, both are options. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, sugar glider. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I, you guys are having this very intellectual conversation, and I'm just over here bringing sugar it gliding. down, sugar gliding, sugar babying, you know, <laughs> seeking arrangements. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Well, all and right. honestly, in talking about it, I. I appreciate you you two elucidating some of the things that I didn't understand and also getting this background about nuns that I didn't understand before and convents and also the director herself. Like it makes me want to go back and watch it again with that knowledge in mind. Yeah. That, yeah. It does color things. I was focused very much on like Birdie's perception of the world mm-hmm. and being so young and not understanding it and her mind maybe working a little bit differently anyway yeah. and mm-hmm. just sort of trying to exist in this very confusing Landscape in general, but also going through, uh, you know, significant puberty changes while while doing it. But now that I know all that, I'm like, oh, I want to watch all these nuns do their nun stuff. Right? <laughs> more nuns. Four, 2023. More nuns. More nuns. Is there a nun movie coming out? Like a schlocky looking one? Oh, maybe? I think so. Or that just came out. Yeah. Um, Consecration, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Malone. yeah. Yeah. I mean, like more oh, Jenna Malone, please. Yeah. 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 But that's what I see. That's what I'm talking about. Like there is a very narrow sort of band that that like nuns exist in in the genre, and so like this is something totally outside that. And and I think the better for it. Like, do I like scary nun things? Yes, I do. But I also (laughs) appreciate a different perspective. We can't have Valak all the time. We need like all the time. Right. Need a little when nuance. Birdie was with the choir director nun lady. It made me want to rewatch Sister Act too <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah hey awesome okay any other things that we didn't touch on that you guys wanted to talk about before we wrap it up 
No, I'm just so glad that both of you got something out of this movie because oh, yeah. I was a little bit worried that it was maybe too weird because <laughs> you never know when you and recommend something that's real strange and slow if anybody's going to like it. So I think, I mean, I think you guys you are the kind right of stacked audience. the decks in your favor uh, yeah, a, a little, little bit. bit. You're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You were playing the refs a little bit there. Right? There's a, a reason I didn't pick this for another podcast, but saved it for this <laughs> one. True, true. I think Sarah and Kat would definitely murder you. <laughs> but I think it's not the final shot, of course, because the final shots are of Birdie in the Snow. But yeah. one of the last shots is of her in the chapel at nighttime in a stained nightgown with the blood stain, like right, oh, you know, so on good. her crotch area. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's like if someone was looking for a good hor- horrific image or like a good, I don't know, like that, that sells it all home. It's scary mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So if you're looking for like a yeah. conventional sort of like motif, you, you do have that. You just have to dig a little bit right. and, yeah. you know, and entertain some of the more surrealist ideas, which I love. But yeah. as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about one, like, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I will add another layer of theme from this film is the complete lack of shame around that shot. Mm -hmm. Like that shot is the thing every teenage girl is terrified about. Like there's always the girl who bleeds through it at at school and like forever, like they're like the sweater around the waist. Like Mm -hmm. it is, that is one of those things that is like girlhood horror um, internal, like real life girlhood horror because of the shame and the mocking and everything that goes and all the baggage that goes along with it. And it ties into this idea that she has absolutely no shame about her menstruation at all. Then that kind of crystallizes in that scene, right? Well, I, that think, she just yeah. walks- I think that's what's so kind of almost revolutionary about this movie is that Birdie mm-hmm. doesn't have any shame. But, like, nobody shames her in this movie either. When the nun finds the bed, she's like, we got to take she's care of She's just like this. the mattress. Like, like, on, we, yeah. can, we, we can't, can't afford the mattress budget. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yeah. reasonable. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's shown as being something normal, not shameful, mm. and beautiful and, like, religiously meaningful too and i think her, all of yeah. that is really cool yeah. and i wonder if that has something to do with being in a strict like a, a, a completely gendered space mm-hmm. you know i was I mean? thinking that yeah too. like probably. there are so many interesting things you can explore being in like a literal convent and it's some of those ways that people think of nuns being extremely conservative but that's not yeah. necessarily the case or conservative and old school and they're thinking yes. about shame and bodies but that it can be a revolutionary space too, given the confines of gender. Right. Mm-hmm. Confines maybe being a negatively con- connotated word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I get it. Yeah. That's I mean, really it, like it. It also really highlights the ways in which, like, just the presence of men can be so constraining on like female experience that it completely changes the context of her experience, like her menstruation. Like it, there's room to have no shame around it and have the people around her respond with no shame around it because they're not like having to protect the sensibilities or the like right. purity of the men. Yeah. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it till this moment, yeah, but it's really yeah. interesting. 
I really liked this movie. Good. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to be thinking about it for a while and I'm going to need to revisit (laughs) it. I can't believe how long you held this. That's why I was so disappointed when nobody saw this when it originally came out. I'm so glad it's on Tubi because like nowhere else can you find this movie. So I'm glad it's It's also on my list for Plug It Up. So we can do a part two when we've all had time. Yes. Yes. Well, Ariel's ahead of the game. But when we we do it again, I need a read through when I've had (laughs) any sleep at all and I've watched it a couple of times. I feel like I'll have much more. Also, I mean, like, honestly, any any show you want us to come on, like, it's it's like the Studio Fifty Four of podcasts. We're like, how do we get in? (laughs) You know the bouncer. (laughs) I have cocaine. No, no, I don't. don't. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, we love having you and you are this every time you come on, it is a delight and this is no exception. And I hope that it is once again, just another time um, in the many, many times that you'll be joining yes, us. on more sure. because your, your perspective is always so fantastic. And I also just selfishly love having your voice in my ears and I adore you and I think you're brilliant and I want to do this all the time. Yeah. Fingers Someone crossed Julia Dornow comes out with a new movie so oh we can get you back into that. <laughs> oh, that's a done ass deal. I'm sorry. What were you saying, Caitlin? Someone asked me recently, like if, if I've never listened to an episode of Plug It Up, but like I want to get like a feel of like you know, what it's all about, what the like sense of humor is like, what the analysis style is like, and like just the general vibe. I was like, listen to the hatching episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. Oh, oh we're so good on it. And I just, that was like a, was a fun conversation. It was, it was a magic episode. I love it so much. So that's <laughs> oh, what I recommend. I'm so glad. That was a great oh, was time. It was so much fun. Yeah. And that movie is so good. I know. I think yeah. about that movie a lot too. <laughs> I think that's one that went under the radar yeah. a little bit for folks. Yeah. Yeah, it's the sure. subtitles. People are like, I don't really I want to fuck with subtitles. I'm like, just do it. It's not. <laughs> it's you worth get to see it. Crazy Bird Girl. It's a great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is this a theme? We have to have birds in like Bird everything girl. that we have to. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Whatever it takes. As long as we hang out, I don't care. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, for those of you at home, we hope that you watched Book of Birdie and you I if you have, I am sure that you have thoughts and feelings and opinions. We would love to hear from you. You can always email us at Rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come over on the Facebook group and uh, chat with us there. And of course, you can always slide into the DMs at ZG Podcasts. That's podcast with an S uh, on Instagram and Twitter. If you're looking for something else spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched Book of Birdie, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com. And if you love us and want to support us, there's a handful of ways you can do that. You can review us. That would make us feel real good, real special, real loved, real seen, real validated, <laughs> but like no pressure. But like, yeah, can you please review us? Anyways, um, on any of the, on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're getting your pods, uh, you can also buy our cool merch. Uh, Caitlin also has some cool merch so you go buy Caitlin's merch then you come over and you buy our merch and then your outfits are done and sorted and you're the coolest kid in school my zombie Um, girl's tote is my favorite tote it's got the biggest 
size possible so I can fit everything in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I carry whenever I take my knitting out, like the cool young person that I am, it goes in my plug it up tote. <laughs> like my mom was like, What is that? And I was like, Don't worry about it, mom. <laughs> I carry my knitting too. I've definitely oh! carried it in my zombie girl's coats. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've been working on the same pillowcase forever and it lives in the in my plug it up tote. But yeah, you yeah. can get our, our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And then, of course, we have a Patreon uh, at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls where you get bonus episodes, extended episodes, our zombie bites. You get to hang out on the Discord, which occasionally Caitlin pops in on once in a while, like when we <laughs> summon her. It's so confusing to me. I'm still trying to understand it. I'm like, I this has with slack. I think it's one of those things like you're either good at racquetball or you're good at tennis. When you learn first, I'm like, oh, I don't understand Discord. But occasionally we'll just like tag you and then you'll like come and be like, hello. And then no, you're like, all right, bye. And I'm like, how do I see anything on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, my problem on Slack. And I have all these, like, it says I have all these things, but I can't find them in the thread. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm not ignoring you. I genuinely <laughs> I, just can't find it. <laughs> That's how I often feel. Yeah, I'm like, I'm here. I don't know where I am, but I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just assume we're like telling you you're fabulous. Like that, we wouldn't summon you for anything other than to tell you that we love you. So just be like, thanks. <laughs> um. So yeah, you could join the pay- the Discord, which is a lot of fun. We do hang out on there pretty much all day. Yeah. So if you want to see, you know whatever goofy shit we're talking about like right now we're talking a lot about vanderpump rules talking about horror movies that we're watching i got larry to finally watch the mission impossible movies so i finally have an ally (laughs) (laughs) i'm although much to the chagrin of some of our patrons who despise tom cruise but we won't get into that go into the discord if you want to know more about that all right so that just leaves our plan for the next episode what are we doing I know this is the end of Women in Hormones. Do we have anything planned we, for the next episode? We don't Ariel? have anything planned. We don't. What? <laughs> Was it my turn to pick a movie and I slacked? <laughs> Yet. But that's okay. okay. So, yeah, we're done with Women in Hormones. So, this month of March, we've been doing an episode every week, but now we're going to go back mm-hmm. to the regularly scheduled programming. We'll come out with an episode two weeks from now. Yes. What are we going to watch? I don't know. We'll announce it on our social media because yeah. we'll I don't, you guys I don't actually know. And if you're in the Discord, we'll, we'll tell you there. I yeah. had a near miss. We almost covered Alice Darling, which if oh, you listen yeah. to Plug It Up, you know that I have a – my mortal enemy is Anna Kendrick. And I totally <laughs> like passed <laughs> over my that. brain that that's an Anna Kendrick movie. Right. So when we pivoted, I was like, oh, thank God. We can't <laughs> do it. I <laughs> For you guys, I would – but wow. I feel like I would be a stinker on the episode. And I don't want to do that. So that's fair. There was an episode of her with her on. I think it was like WTF. And I was like, hmm. I have so many thoughts. I poor Randy from Straight Chilling. We engaged in like a three hundred message long thread on Slack <laughs> oh, wow. about. Some of the feminist politics around Anna Kendrick. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. I gotta okay. See, this is no, why I gotta get know. on the freaking on the Slack because I need to go back and find this. I'm just gonna oh, like man. search Anna Kendrick and see if I can find that because I want to see. It's all me being like, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. All right, you guys. See, this is what we're talking about. She's amazing. Don't you want more in this in your life? Trust me, you do. So plug your show again. Tell them where they can find you and how like they can follow you on social media as well. 
Yeah, on social media, I'm Plug It Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send me an email, I'm pluggituppod at gmail.com. And if you search Plug It Up, it'll come up in whatever podcatcher you use. It's a big red logo with white letters and a tampon on it. Hard to um, so <laughs> I love it. Find it. And just looking at gender tropes and horror, mostly through the lens of the monstrous feminine. So monstrous menstruation, monstrous motherhood, sometimes just monstrous femme figures, bridal horror, just digging into all the gendered tropes that we can. And y'all have been on a handful of times. I love having you on. Like I said, Hatching is one of my favorite episodes that I throw to people when they want to get to know this Aww. show. So, yeah. It's fun. Awesome. It's a great show. Yep. It's a great Thank Like, you. as soon as we heard the concept, we were like, okay, well, we're already obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was amazing, even better than we thought it would be. And I love that you're, like, branching out into all of these different yeah, discussions. Yeah, really exciting. I always – love your perspective. It's Thank so, you. you're such a thoughtful person. Um, and I feel like I learned something every, I mean, I always learn something like, because sex ed is garbage in America. So I always learn things about my body, but I also feel like the, the discussions around the film, I are really thoughtful. And I always feel like I learned something there as well. Yeah. I wrote it's, about 3000 words on antichrist. So that's, oh. that, that episode will come out soon. Oh but my gosh. I that's going to be a good one. That is going to be a good one. Talk about confused and back and forth. I was, yeah. <laughs> have you done possession yet? I'm curious. No, it's on my list though. It's on my giant spreadsheet. I'm very curious to see what you think about possession and like the hysteria of it all. Because that's a Von Trier thing too, right? Possession. I don't know. Is it? Or maybe I'm just I mean, at this no, point. I can't remember. I don't I don't think no, it is. No, never mind. Yeah. But I mean, there's a reason that when you said Antichrist, I went, mm, possession. <laughs> yeah. There's some shared <laughs> DNA <laughs> for sure. There's some really rad cool. like body horror stuff and like creature effects in it but it's more just like the absolute hysteria stuff but like i kind of feel like sam neill is the one that's hysterical but whatever when you get there i'm sure you'll have yes. some fun <laughs> all right so now you know where to find caitlin you don't know what we're doing next week but you know where to find out what we're going to do next week when they announce it on social media uh unless you're sticking around for the extended episode that is it for us today ariel now is your moment do your thing <laughs> Take us out. <laughs> All right. That's it for another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. Thank you so much to Caitlin from Plug It Up. This was so much fun and so elucidating of a film that was somewhat confusing, but absolutely beautiful. I hope you all enjoyed Book of Birdie and enjoyed our discussion. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, a.k.a. More Deadly After Dark. Hello. Hey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is there a person? Are you from Wisconsin now? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, gosh. Oh, heck no. Oh, geez. I don't know. Every single person in Wisconsin has just, like, picked up a pitchfork and is marching out <laughs> to to get me after that. And you know what? Fair. Fair. Fair response. <laughs> totally reasonable. I had it coming. So, as I was going to say, is there a cuter person on the planet than Caitlin Grant? No, she's adorable and so, so smart. I so love her. So smart. So funny. The best voice. I just could listen to her talk all day. Um, I just adore her. I, I just know. think she is amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sliding into her DMs a couple years ago was totally worth it. <laughs> yes. We sure did. Well, we. By we, the royal we, but literally you. Like this never would have like this friendship never would have happened because I would have been too shy. Oh. I know that I know that like I bring the Labrador energy to the podcast, but yes. you are actually the social director of the show. <laughs> It's because I do, do all, it all behind my computer. I'm just typing. And then I'm like, actually talk to razzle them. dazzle. Then when it comes to actually dazzle. talking to people, you have to get the ball rolling. I know. Because I'm I don't awkward. Know. That, well, I didn't say I wasn't awkward. Uh, I'm just, no. I'm, you're quiet awkward. I'm loud awkward. <laughs> I'm not really sure. We compliment that each other's good. awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're the example of two wrongs making a right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. What is happening with your camera? I don't know. Why you is it doing it again? We even went to a different call. Like I literally have not touched any of the settings. I'm not touching my computer. So what you are could Mercury be going on? retrograde the person? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Technology goes wrong around me. Like I blew up a computer once. Look, and- what is happening? You're just <laughs> zooming in and out. I don't know. What is going on? I wish people could actually see this. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Ah, there. Now I'm not zoomed in. I mean, I don't mind. You're adorable. So I like to see you from far and up close. But (laughs) it's it's just very unpredictable when it's going to zoom in and zoom out. It's You know, that's going to happen on the next. Right after this, we have a very special call. Oh, God. It's going to do it during the interview. (laughs) No. Is there any way I can fix that? I don't know. I've never seen it's never happened. I've recorded on this many times. It didn't yeah. happen to me. It didn't happen to Caitlin. It hasn't happened to Justin or Larry. It's literally only happened to you. So I don't me. know what's going on. I'm the it's problem. Just you. It's me. I'm telling you, it's Pizza Ghost is back. He's mad <laughs> that we have not been talking about him and he's like getting crusty. Ha ha ha. Pizza joke. Sorry, Very that good. was a little cheesy. <laughs> I hate my personality. <laughs> but anyway, it was so much fun talking to Caitlin. And you could not have picked a more perfect movie to have her on because I I, I needed her today. I know. I, mean, I needed her to do that heavy lifting because like my brain is Book of Birdie, Caitlin, for a very long time. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Yeah. That was a lot for you to hold by yourself. I can right? see why you really <laughs> wanted us to watch this. Yeah. But after mm-hmm. my experience with Hagazusa, I couldn't put it on the Zombie Girls episode, you know? <laughs> I know. Well, see, the problem is I was the problem child for that one. That, That's true. I, I really feel like I was experiencing really, <laughs> really experiencing intense burnout. And that's really what that was about. And I feel bad. I kind of almost want to do it again. I mean, no, I nobody needs to do that. <laughs> I said almost, almost, because I don't feel like I gave that film a fair shot. I mean, I it's a weird, just... weird one. And see, this one is weird and I liked it. Hagazuza is yeah. weird and I just needed like to talk and offload this <laughs> to somebody yeah. else. <laughs> And I think on paper, I should have really liked Hagazusa, which is why yeah. I think I was just in a not a good. And then remember, I was like, I'm taking a month off from podcasting. Yes. And I came back a brand new person. That was like the last <laughs> thing I did before like the That's burnout true. was so I intense. Yeah. yeah. And I and like I've, I've felt bad about it ever since. I don't oh, like no. it. I don't, it's not you don't need to wear common a for me. me to be grumpy. <laughs> but I when I do, I I can't control it. And then I feel really bad about it. And I, I forever... thought you were funny. I mean, I edited that episode too. So I had to listen to it okay. a second time and I thought you were funny. So I just tried to be more fair and I don't think I was fair. I was just like, you're just used to being the Siskel. I mean, the Ebert and you had to be the Siskel. Yeah, I guess that's what it feels uncomfortable. Like I tend to always, even if I don't like something, I can find positive in it. Like, yeah, I feel like I was really fair about Ether Rich, even though that was not necessarily a movie for me. Yeah. And I don't think I did that with Hagazusa. So 
I'm a terrible person and I deserve oh, to have God. no friends is what I'm saying. <laughs> <You're ridiculous. laughs> All right. What do you say we get into some horror headlines? Because once again, I did not do my homework. Let's I do mean, it. I love talking about current affairs. <laughs> <laughs> 